morning, everyone, and happy Friday. I hope you all have some wonderful plans for the weekend. I myself am probably just going to be staying in for the weekend and relaxing. However, I hope you have some wonderful plans, because those plans with your friends and loved ones are probably the only thing that's going to absolve you from the absolute insanity that is engulfing the nation, and not just the nation, but the entire world at the moment. And let's start off with the nation. I have just learned recently that Jim Acosta, CNN's Jim Acosta, yes, that Jim Acosta, the one who caused all that disruption in the White House press briefing room, the one who placed his hands on a White House intern, the one who was banned by the press briefing room by Donald Trump and uh, was supposedly never going to be let in again, I have just learned that a federal judge... A not just any federal judge, but a federal judge that was appointed by Donald Trump, has ordered that his press pass, the press pass that enables him to get into the White House, uh, be given back to him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why in the holy hell would his press pass be given back to him? He was on video seeing manhandling a White House intern. He basically chopped her arm down when she was reaching for the microphone from him after he'd been talking for about three minutes, and this judge still gives him his press pass back. I'm honestly speechless. Can any of you people out there tell me why on earth his press pass should be given back? I can't. Is this some kind of First Amendment right? Well, that's something that uh, CNN had filed in their lawsuit recently, and none other than Fox News had supported CNN in this lawsuit. They said that Jim Acosta's First Amendment rights had been infringed by the White House revoking his press pass. Now, ladies and gentlemen, do I have a First Amendment right to go into the White House and ask Donald Trump any questions? Do any of you? I don't think so. There are about 320 million other Americans who would love to be able to go talk to the president, but none of us have that right. Only Jim Deere Acosta has that right, apparently. I am absolutely flabbergasted, and I am speechless, and I apologize for so many pauses, but I am honestly speechless by this, by this news. Now, we don't have any more information. We don't know if the White House is going to challenge this motion, and I do hope that they do. I hope they, they honestly take this to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump did nominate Kavanaugh, but then again, the judge who demanded that the White House give John, Jim Acosta his press pass back was also appointed by Donald Trump, so that's not really a safe call either. And if any of you remember um, the Supreme Court hearing about Obamacare, that was a Bush appointee who approved that. Now, we don't have any more information about this at the moment, so let's move on to the international news, or the, I should say, the main subject of today's podcast. Now, a lot of you remember Donald Trump recently went to uh, Paris for the 100th anniversary of World War One, And it, should, it was supposed to be a solemn affair, all the allied nations, and even the even the central power nations uh, during World War One were supposed to get together and mourn the dead, you know, of course. And they had their parades, and they had, you know, their celebrations there. However, however, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, he decided to uh, make a political spectacle of the whole affair. He decided to get up and uh, denounce Donald Trump. And he did this by saying that nationalism is the enemy of patriotism. Now think about that. Nationalism is the enemy of patriotism. 
Nationalism, patriotism, they almost sound synonymous, don't they? How can someone be a nationalist without being a patriot? <laughs> now, this is obviously because Donald Trump, uh, during the midterm campaigns, was making comments about uh, nationalism. Uh, nationalism. He, uh, dis he declared himself to be a nationalist instead of a globalist. And after Donald Trump said this, of course, the American mainstream press denounced him as a white supremacist, of all things. They said it was a whistle call, a dog whistle, excuse me, a dog whistle to white supremacists. It's a dog whistle to the KKK. Apparently, you being a nationalist makes you a member of the KKK or a grand wizard of the KKK because you're a nationalist all of a sudden. Well, was Theodore Roosevelt a member of the KKK? Was FDR a member of the KKK? They were both nationalists. Teddy Roosevelt himself declared himself a nationalist. The progressive movement declared themselves as nationalists in the early 20th century. Were they all members of the KKK? I don't think so. Of course, it's all politics. Of course, anything Donald Trump says, the mainstream media is going to decry as racist, no matter what he says. But that's not exactly the take that Macron put on nationalism. As I said, Macron said it was the enemy of patriotism. And again, that doesn't really make sense. But let's look at, from, look at it from Macron's and Western Europe's perspective. Now, if you're a Western European, maybe you... I, I can kind of empathize with why the Western European countries would decry nationalism to an extent, because in the modern academic thinking, nationalism is a creation of the 20th century with the Chipsbadani Republic, uh, in northern Italy, and the Confederation of the Rhine, both of those, uh, as a matter of fact, created by Napoleon. However, that's not really the whole story. Uh, nationalism is not a creation of the 20th century. That's, I wouldn't say revisionism, but I think it's a misreading of history by uh, academics. Nationalism goes back thousands of years. I would argue it was far back as the Bronze Age. Um, go back to the Peloponnesian War. Sparta versus Athens. That was a nationalistic war. Why on earth else would they be fighting if it wasn't for the sovereignty of their nations? Anyway, that is my take on nationalism, but I, I understand kind of where Macron is coming from there, or other European nations. I kind of get that. I think it's a uh, political slingshot, but I kind of get it from there. However, there's another angle to it than just that. After Macron had declared that, you know, patriotism is the enemy of nationalism, or vice versa, his finance minister had also declared that Europe needs to, that not Europe, but the European Union needs to become an empire. And not just an empire, but an empire to resist the United States. So Macron is not only decrying nationalism, his finance minister is also crying for the creation of a European empire. And not only that, Macron and Germany's Merkel are also calling for the creation of a European army. So that's an interesting take. Here's my take on this. Macron is not the president of France. Macron, Emmanuel Macron, is not the president of France. You know what he is? He is the governor of the province of France of the European Union Empire. That's what he is. That is why he's decrying nationalism. 
not because he believes that nations are evil or anything like that, but because he is only the governor of the province of France. He is nothing more than the governor of Minnesota. That is all the power that Macron has, because he is subservient to the empire of the European Union. And I said earlier, there, you know, Merkel, Macron, uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, who is part of the European Commission, they all call for a European army. And this is a European army that will be subservient to this European empire. What do you think this European army is going to be used for? It's not going to be used just for defensive purposes. Europe already has a, already has an organization for that. It's NATO. NATO was the European army. It was a defensive army. It was a collection of all the member states' armies for, for a defensive purpose. So what is this army going to be used for? Is it going to be used to invade the U.S.? What I think it's going to be used for is going to be used to trample European states who decide to want to leave the European Union. Look at Britain. They're uh, the vote for Brexit. I mean, they're, they're leaving, well, potentially leaving. They have a, a big mess on their hands with Theresa May and her negotiations with the European Union, but there seems to be a political coup there, so we'll see how long that lasts. But what about, uh, say, Poland or Hungary? What if they decide to leave? Is this European army going to march into these countries, just as the Soviet Union did into Czechoslovakia? Maybe. We don't know. But maybe. What other purpose could it have? It's not a defensive army. Like I said, there's NATO. And speaking of NATO, you want some uh, other fantastic international news? NATO, as an organization, has completely failed. Yes, you heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. NATO has failed. How can I say that it failed? The Soviet Union is gone, isn't it? That was the purpose of the uh, NATO, was to prevent the Soviet Union from invading uh, Europe, right? No, that was not the only purpose of NATO. That was one purpose of three. The first general secretary of NATO... Lord Ismay. Now, this is the first general secretary, so this is not some conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. This is not Alex Jones. This is the first general secretary of NATO, Lord Ismay. He was also a confidant of uh, Winston Churchill during World War II. You know what he said that the goals of NATO were? It was to keep the Soviets out. That was number one. Number two, to keep the Americans in. And number three, to keep the Germans down. Now, why has it failed under these three criteria? The first criteria succeeded, of course. The Russians, the, the post-Soviet Russians, they're out. However, number three, keep the Germans down. Now, who is going to be the head of this European empire? Who's the head of the European Union now? Well, certainly not Luxembourg. It's not Belgium. Even though the capital, the capital of the EU is in Brussels, it's not Belgium. It's not the UK. It's not Spain. It's not Italy. It's Germany. 
Germany will be the head of this European empire. So NATO has completely failed. And what's more, under Germany's uh, constitution, they are not allowed to uh, seek out belligerent warfare. This European army, this allows them to do that because it's not a German army. It's a European army. It might be controlled by Germany, but it's not a German army, technically. So this allows them to do that. Anyway, I'm sorry for my ranting, folks. I hope you all have a pleasant weekend.